0: we need to ensure that not only is efficacious via clinical research, so there's science to back it up, but that it's pure and with regards to the certificate of analysis and quality control process that goes into it to ensure that it's safe and ultimately going to get the results that we desire amongst our patients.
1: Welcome to the Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You are about to hear from Tom Hool, who is brilliant and an expert when it comes to supplements. This is part one of a two-part series where we will be debunking five supplement myths. And although there is no pill, potion or powder that will replace lifestyle changes, let's face it, after having changed our diets for the better, we still need to supplement and reasons behind that are going to be explained in the upcoming episodes. We're going to start this episode with why supplements are not created equal. Let's begin. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Longevity Blueprint Podcast. The topic for today's podcast is the top five supplement myths you need to know about. My guest today is Tom Hool. Tom represents a premier dietary supplement manufacturer in the doctor exclusive channel, which leads the way in proactive health and wellness as it relates to the healthcare industry. He has spent the better part of the last decade partnering with functional and integrative medical practices in order to get patients better faster through education and practice building. Through consultation, he specializes in developing customized strategies to increase patient compliance, consequently improving patient outcomes, while creating a streamlined process to aid in the efficiency within the patient experience. So, full disclaimer, Tom works for um, our manufacturing partner, which is Orthomolecular. He is our educational representative, and I just want to that out there from the very beginning i've known tom for years i just like to be transparent with our audience and with our patients of course so who better to bring on to talk about supplements than our manufacturing partner so i'm excited to have tom on today so thank you for being here
0: honored to be here
1: so my first introduction to orthomolecular was as a nurse practitioner student so in my final semester i shadowed another nurse practitioner who had an independent practice which i thought was really cool and i thought maybe one day i can do this and here i am now with an independent practice so i was honored to be able to shadow her and interestingly one day a rep came in for orthomolecular and talked to us about this liver detox program and i thought well you know i was raised in a um what I considered be a very healthy family, we went to the chiropractor. We, my parents were juicing wheatgrass on the counter. We were taking our supplements, so it wasn't unusual for me to uh, consider doing something like a liver detox. So she gave it to me at her cost, and she said, "Hey, you know, try this." And I was I was pretty amazed with the results. I, I thought i like this company their stuff works like i need to i need to hear more about ortho i my my brain fog went away on this i didn't even know i had brain fog actually but my my mind cleared and which was very beneficial being this was my final semester of grad school and I was about to take my board. So the timing was good. My brain fog cleared up. I lost weight. I had better energy, um, which was partially not just to doing the detox, but I had gone gluten-free and I had no idea that I had a major gluten sensitivity at that time. That was when I was first discovering this. So I feel very thankful that that day that I was there, this rep came in and introduced me to ortho and the liver detox program. And, and I've been a believer since. I just, I heavily believe in high-quality supplements, and that's why I wanted to, to talk to Tom today. Now, if you know me, you know I'm very close to my brothers. I have two younger brothers, and we used to always watch Mythbusters. We didn't get to watch a lot of TV growing up, but we watched Mythbusters. Uh, we enjoyed the experiments that they would do on that show um, because we wanted to know if the myths were you know true or false, and so today I want to talk about some supplement myths. I want to preface and and start this podcast by saying something that I always say that there's no pill, potion or powder that's going to replace lifestyle changes, right? We have to change our lifestyle. Like I needed to go gluten free, I will always be gluten free. There's no supplement I can take that's going to allow me to just eat gluten, right? So um, to the viewers and the audience out there, Again, there's no pill, there's no supplement that's going to replace lifestyle changes. And Ortho Molecular heavily believes that. But I do think supplements are very necessary in the world we live in. And we're going to talk a bit more about that today. So we're going to just dive into the myths. Tom is a very intelligent guy. I always enjoy conversing with him. So he's going to have, he's going to enlighten us today. So let's start with the top myth that I want to um, go over, which is that all supplements are created equal. I would say that's false <laughs> so what do you think tom what do you think about that
0: you know i get that question or i would say objection all the time when i'm having those conversations with family members friends oh you know all supplements are the same all vitamin d is the same All officials the same well you know i would throw it back to them and say well is all steak the same are all restaurants the same no there's varying levels of quality especially when it comes to the source and when we think about I would say I would draw the line. There's a difference between retail, you know, things that you're going to find in the shelf at you know big supermarkets versus uh, something you're going to get from your clinician. That's more of a professional or nutraceutical or pharmaceutical grade, and you you'll hear that you know explained in, via different uh, uh, pronouns, I guess you'd say. But the difference really is the quality and the sourcing of the raw material. When in the retail channel, in the supermarket channel their budget, their dollars that are spent for that shelf space are spent on marketing. So that's where the majority of dollars go to versus the professional channel where these are doctor recommended products. And so the majority of cost goes into a higher quality of raw material because these are used as medicines in a sort uh, in clinics like yours Dr. Gray to actually impact lab values and so we have to have not only a higher potency but a higher standardization of active ingredient within the raw material and so when we're looking for specific raw materials to include in a product for a specific purpose or rationale, we need to ensure that not only is it efficacious via clinical research, so there's science to back it up, but that it's pure and with regards to the certificate of analysis and quality control process that goes into it to ensure that it's safe and ultimately going to get the results that we desire amongst our patients.
1: Can you give me some examples of where you source ingredients from? Like what countries? Like when we think of what it takes to get a pill from the plant on the farm <laughs> to, oh, not even the pill, the ingredient <laughs> that's coming from the plant on the farm in whatever country all the way to our, our shelves. Like when we think of that process, like, can you give us some examples of where these products are coming from? Like where you choose selectively to source ingredients from?
0: yeah absolutely. and And I would also you know preface that by saying different plants and ultimately different sources have a different phytochemical makeup in different climates around the world. So depending on the plant will depend on the region of the world. And then, of course, when we think about certain quality things, you know you you want to trust and verify, I mean we've had relationships. Uh, with our raw material suppliers for over three decades, some of them. uh, But we're always ensuring that, hey, you know, things happen, uh, whether it be logistically or from a sourcing standpoint, you know, we're always bringing things in and testing them before they even enter our facility. Uh, from DNA, mass specs, thin layer chromatography, all these scientific validating measurements to assess quality uh, and ultimately ensure that it, there's it's safe and pure. Um, but when it comes to regional sourcing, when we have a standardization for a specific active ingredient. For instance, I'll take bergamot. It's utilized in support of cardiovascular health. Uh, a lot of clinicians are using it to help aid in healthy cholesterol balance. Um, there's specific polyphenolic fractions that are part of that bergamot fruit that grows in one specific region of the world to ensure highest thinnerization of those things or highest density of these polyphenols, and that's actually Calabria, Italy. Uh, and so we can only get that this particular sourced bergamot from that region of the world, uh, and we standardized five specific polyphenolic fractions that are shown in the research to have particular benefits as it relates to uh, cardiovascular health, more particularly cholesterol balance. Um, So that's just one example.
1: Yeah, that's good. So um, I mentioned this in Chapter 7 of my book when I'm talking about nutrients that we can use to reduce cardiovascular disease, that we carry a product called citrus bergamot, um, which, correct me if I'm wrong, has been, um, well, we'll just say, uh, utilized by the population in Italy, (laughs) um, which has been discovered as a blue zone because of the reduced cardiovascular risk. So obviously, supplement companies and and individuals want to capitalize on the benefits of what we're finding throughout these blue zones, but it's just not that easy. And that if one of my patients is purchasing Bergamot from California or from another country or country, state, <laughs> could be state or country, I can't guarantee they're going to get the benefits that they would get if they purchase the product from a clinician like myself, who knows the manufacturer is sourcing the ingredient from where the original research was conducted. Like we know, even though I don't remember all the polyphenolic you know fragments or whatever you just said, <laughs> which is over my head, I can trust that and I, and I want my patients to trust me that I'm looking into and, and working with a manufacturer who's doing all that research. You're, you're doing that behind the scenes so we can guarantee they're going to get a product that is sourced appropriately at the correct potency that's going to have what the original research um, claims, you know, state this nutrient can do for that patient. So I, I really appreciate that about ortho. What about, um, like alpha lipoic acid? That's another nutrient we use to help patients detox and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure a lot of nutrients like alpha lipoic acid could come from China, but you strategically choose to not source it from China, which would be a cheaper option for you. You instead get it from Germany. Is that correct?
0: Yep. Our source, uh, our supplier, uh, resides in Germany and, and I'll add another, uh, level of, of knowledge here for your, for your community in that, uh, with not all uh, uh, raw materials being equal and all supplements being equal, there's different extraction processes uh, that are allowed in different countries. There's different regulations, obviously, China. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know they—they're going to regulate their dietary supplement industry different than uh, than we do, and just like other countries. Uh, but when it comes to the manufacturing of them, uh, there's solvent-based extraction process that use pretty harsh chemicals such as benzene. Uh, I know that unfortunately is is how the majority of alpha-lipoic acid is extracted from white potato, actually. Uh, And of course, there may be some of that chemical uh, latent in the the finished good. Uh, So we choose, based on the quality and, of course, safety and efficacy, we're going to choose a source that is more clean as it relates to the extraction process. So we choose a source out of germany that is enzymatically extracted. Uh, And of course, yes, there is a significant cost Uh, associated with that raw material compared to that that is solvent-extracted. You know, when we're thinking about just the safety piece of that conversation, we're going to pay more uh, versus something that may be found in a retail channel where we're looking at low quality uh, in order to spend more money on marketing and then also lower the cost for the patient, which is why you can get a bottle of something like fish oil. Uh, a thousand caps official for twenty dollars and you know 120 bottle count bottle maybe from uh, your line, Dr. Gray, you know, is gonna uh, run three or four times that cost uh, and be significantly less quantity. There's a difference in its quality. Um, I will add one more thing, uh, and maybe it's more of a uh, just a, something that that can stick in in the patient community's mind. If you start with something like a piece of dirt, it doesn't matter what type of wrapper you put on, what type of bottle, and what kind of fancy marketing you do, at the end of the day, it's still a piece of dirt. And unfortunately, uh, there is definitely a lot of putting lipsticks on pigs when it comes to the supplement industry. And that unfortunately gives the supplement industry a bad name uh, and leads to a lot of these myths that, that we're talking about today.
1: So tell me what a consumer could look for on a label um, to help them determine if the product is really high quality or not, because they're not going to know the, if the extraction process or the source you know, of the, the product. So what could a consumer look for on a label to help them identify that product as being really high quality?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One of the things that immediately comes to mind is looking at different forms of minerals uh, in there, say, multivitamin. Uh, And there's different forms such as carbonates and citrates and oxides. We want to stay away from oxides, but there's a single form that stands out uh, head and shoulders above the rest, and that is amino acid chelates. There is not only the most absorbed... Uh, but they're the most therapeutic with the least amount of potential side effects. Like for instance, I'll take magnesium. Uh, it's a very, very, it's one of the most well utilized uh, in the nutrient world from a supplemental standpoint. Uh, it's responsible for hundreds of enzymatic process in the body. And, and ultimately uh, this is one that's really important to to not be deficient in. I mean, it is absolutely essential to a lot of processes. And so we partner with the world renowned supplier in Uh, mineral chelates, and what that means is these minerals, these metal ions, such as magnesium, is bound to an amino acid, which uh, is almost ubiquitous as far as receptor sites in our gut, Uh, and our body absolutely respects the amino acids, the building block of life, so naturally, our body's going to accept them uh, when they're bound to, uh, uh, when I I say accept them, accept the mineral that's bound to amino acids, almost like you can pass go, collect $200, no problem, Uh, versus something like an oxide or a carbonate that may cross-react to other metal ions in the gut, they're less stable, they may bind, uh, and also Lead to things like uh, uh, loose bowels and and diarrhea. Uh, Now, our partner, Albion Labs, is the premier, as far as world renowned, they're the premier amino acid chelate. They actually have over 170 patents uh, and they create what's called the real amino acid chelate. You'll see that on the label as TRA, so TRACS, to spell it out, uh, TRACS, the real amino acid chelate. Uh, And to differentiate, Uh, what patients may be seeing on a label, they may see, say, magnesium chelate on a label in a retail product that's trying to like sell amino acid chelate, but if it doesn't say what the chelate is, so it should say something like magnesium glycinate or magnesium bisglycinate. And again, if we get to the marketing piece, if you say chelate, guess what that company may be chelating it with? The cheapest one, whichever one is on discount. So this batch may be a glycinate, next batch be a, might be a bisglycinate, maybe it was about to turn at the raw material suppliers to put it on discount. You know, so you always want to know exactly what things are bound to, what they're related. So transparency on a label is extremely important. And we got to get away from marketing and really pay attention to the science here. And that's why, from a professional channel standpoint, Consumers should rely on their clinician to do that for them uh, because the clinician, of course, is only going to recommend things generally, uh, like yourself, are only going to recommend things that they know are going to help their patients because it does nobody good uh, if, if the patient's not getting better. And the most expensive supplement, I would argue, is the one that doesn't work.
1: Well said, well said. I want to try to reiterate what you said because all of that was wonderful. So (laughs) to um, just summarize (laughs) for the audience. I I kind of talk
0: a lot. No, that's uh, good. I apologize for that.
1: An amino acid chelated version, right? Um, Chelate is a synonym for bound or or piggybacked. So what we like to recommend our patients take and what you literally will see on our bottles, you will see what he mentioned. The labels, so on the back of the supplement label where it says magnesium, It will say T-R-A-A-C-S, all capital letters. That is the patented, trademarked Albion Lab, you know, uh, chelated um, source, or I don't know, source is the wrong word, um, a version (laughs) of that amino acid chelate. That's the good stuff. That's what you want to look for. Um, They are the industry leader. So that's what you're going to find on our, our supplements. Like Tom mentioned, if you're not taking a chelate, your magnesium could just go right through you and cause diarrhea. <laughs> if you're taking a, a non-chelated iron, the iron may do the opposite. It may cause constipation. We want the minerals to get absorbed into the gut. And so he was he was saying that your gut loves amino acids. So if this magnesium is piggybacked onto to an amino acid and the gut loves amino acids, that's going to facilitate that magnesium on that amino acid getting absorbed into the gut lining. And so it, it's really... Um, brilliant uh brilliant process (laughs) um we're just trying to give our body what our body wants and what it needs so that's the and that's also the difference again between a lot of retail supplements and what you're going to get with a professional line but just because the label says chelate which that's how we name our products our magnesium chelate that is the name of our magnesium product that doesn't necessarily uh mean it's going to contain this t-r-a-a-c-s the 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 amino acid and solution. So that's what you want to look for on a label. That's great advice. Great advice to the consumer. Uh, What about, um, speaking of fish oil, you brought up fish oil. Let's talk about the sea to shelf life from uh many for, for fish oil i was asking earlier about okay an herb right when we think of it growing on a farm and getting into a bottle on the shelves when we think of fish oil that's coming from the sea so we're not near the ocean <laughs> how long is the average industry time from for fish oil to be manufactured from the sea until it hits the shelf and how does that compare with our the, the fish oil uh, manufacturer we're choosing to partner with you you guys can you speak to that a little bit
0: yeah, um, and I want to kind of paint a picture real quick before I, before I uh, uh, throw kind of that, that number out um, because it really goes into what creates that uh, long logistical time from catch to capsule, if you will. And, and uh, when we source a fish oil, for instance, so any, every supplement company out there, um, I'm not aware of any uh, professional retail um, that owns their own fishery uh, that catches the fish and does the encapsulation themselves and then puts it on a shelf. Uh, almost all fish oil product is outsourced to a supplier. Now, the interesting thing is that most of the fish oil suppliers outsource the fishing. So they'll contract a fishery to go to get boats, to go out, net fish, bring the fish back. And then the uh, supplier will then process the fish and ultimately, Uh, get that to a supplement provider or manufacturer such as ours. Uh, Now, there's different parts of that process that are generally outsourced, such as uh, molecular distillation. Um, So, there's different pieces that are ultimately across the globe that require putting a big vat of this fish oil uh, into a shipping container and then shipping it around the world. They're not just like, you know, putting it on an airplane and flying it somewhere. It takes a long time to get around the world. And generally, uh, up until more recently, uh, these molecular installation facilities were in China uh, uh, and Europe. Uh, And so uh, that being the case, you know, one, China, you know, we don't, the the questionable quality there, uh, as I believe all of our consumers here are, are aware of, the other being Europe. And if the majority of fish, which, you know, is the case is sourced, off the coast of South America. It's the least industrialized coastline in the world. Um, There's a lot of fisheries there. There's deep cold waters off the coast there in between Antarctica and South America uh, that there's just a huge biomass of fish. So if you consider that they have to catch it there and then ship it around the world, a lot of time. And so the industry coverage of catch the capsule is more particularly in the retail channel uh, and even some source in the professional channel is upwards of 18, sometimes even as long as 36 months.
1: That's just nuts. That I mean, I would think the fish oil would be rancid by then. Like, how could they keep it fresh? I, I I don't know. That's just my instinct.
0: So that's another question. And I want first, I want to say your fish oil. By the way, the fish oil that we source uh, uh, is from a supplier that is located in Chile. Uh, so located in South America. They own the entire process, so they own the fishery, the boats that catch the fish, the net, uh, which are dolphin tree, mind you, uh, as well as the molecular distillation facility and the -the state-of-the-art lab where everything is happening in one spot. So no logistics involved outside of, you know, going to another campus uh, within their their confines. Uh, And so the catch to capsule time is as little, can be as little, as short as three months. So that three to six month range is generally when it goes from catch capsule, uh, and then ultimately ends up on the shelf in your clinic, uh, which is amazing when you consider the difference uh, from 18 to 36 months. Now, to answer your question on the rancidity piece, um, so one, yes, shortening that cycle, uh, that time span between catch capsule is, of course, going to have a a drastic effect on rancidity, um, or lack thereof in, in our case but we also add and a lot of other companies will, will do certain things uh, to try and prevent that through. Sometimes they'll add thick capsules uh, flavorings and they'll enter coat it to hide it. So that way you don't burp it up where it basically passes here your, it passes through your uh, uh, stomach and then, and then duodenal gut and then break open, which renders it essentially ineffective uh, because it needs to be emulsified and absorbed in our duodenum. So if it passes that, just not going to get uh, emulsified and, and utilized properly. Um, so our product that you contract through us uh, is not only is the triglyceride form, so much more absorbed and then more incorporated to address inflammation, which is why we take official in the first place, but we use things like rosemary uh, and vitamin E or mixed tocopherols to help from an oxidation standpoint to preserve That particular official to prevent oxidation. Not only that, but we're also doing primary and secondary oxidation testing, uh, looking at 500 uh, different uh, environmental toxins to ensure uh, that there are no quality concerns or or um, uh, uh, toxicity concerns. Yep. So that's a whole other thing uh, that we could get into. Even like things like mercury, cadmium, arsenic, lead. Uh, We use an EU's. Uh, certified or standardized more rather uh, uh, testing facility out of Germany um, uh, called Eurosins that you know, tests well below the standardization or recommendation of the FDA as it relates to things like mercury. Um, we're talking about a, a thousand times better uh, or, or or lower standardization than is even allowed by the FDA. Uh, and we don't have to do that, but we do because we want to go above and beyond to ensure uh, quality. And, and not only that, but we are working with you know, other countries that do require a better standardization. So we want to make sure that we're meeting their standards above and beyond. So, of course, here in the United States, uh, your patients get to benefit from that higher level of standardization that, uh, that we, uh, we aim to provide.
1: We love it. And that's why we carry your product. <laughs> um, go back to the, the mention of the triglyceride form of fish oil. So I think most individuals have never heard of this. So when you consume a supplement, you want to consume it in the most natural form, right? Like if I'm eating salmon, I would be getting that the benefit of the oil in what's called this triglyceride form. If I'm going to consume a synthetic fish oil, the manufacturing of that process <laughs> kind of destroys that most not our process, but um, destroys that form um, and attaches an extra alcohol molecule, which is harder for the body to detoxify. So, can you expand on that a little bit? How most fish oil products are in this synthetic ethyl ester form, and ours is not. Ours is in this triglyceride form. Maybe expand on that. I didn't say that right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, what I will start with is that all fish oil processing is the same to an extent. So, it starts off the same. So, you catch the fish. Uh, you, you bring the fish into the facility. And, and just like you said, when you consume fish in nature, you are consuming uh, omega-3s in a triglyceride form. So that's a glycerol backbone with three fatty acids, right? And you know, com- com- combined with things like EPA and DHA. And those are, those are what's been studied. There's 10,000s of research uh, papers done on the benefits of those omega-3s. And when it comes in a supplemental form, so we're catching these fish, mind you, a small species of fish uh, uh, the one in your product is standardized for anchovies so it's the smallest species of fish lower bioaccumulation of toxins lower on the food chain and of course there's a ex- there's a cost to, to standardizing just the fish much less you know the, the therapeutic components of that oil and uh, so when we catch that fish we squeeze out the triglycerides ultimately we extract the triglycerides in the form of glycerol backbone three fatty acids. And then what happens is they essentially cleave off that glycerol backbone exposing those fatty acids for concentration. And that process uh, is called ethylation. And so you mentioned an alcohol component uh, and that is actually an ethyl alcohol. So uh, they bind an ethanol uh, backbone to those fatty acids in order for, to concentrate EPA and DHA, more so to stabilize them through that process. Now, after molecular ethylation, occurs in that process, that's where the majority of fish oil companies stop, and that would be known as an ethylester, basically it's a semi-synthetic form of fish oil, Um, and there's actually some pharmaceutical uh, versions of those out on the market today. They don't call themselves fish oil, but that's what they are. They're an ethanol-based fish oil. Uh, And so, our process actually goes through a similar process to concentrate that EG and DHA. Now we take it a step further. Again, additional costs associated with that. We remove we then remove that ethanol backbone and then reattach the glycerol piece, bringing it back into that triglyceride form in that natural state. So you basically have a semi-synthetic, State or a natural state, which is known as a reesterified triglyceride, and there is a ton of clinical data to show that not only is it more absorbed, to the tune of 70% greater absorbed in a triglyceride state versus an ester state, but more importantly, why do we take official? We take it to compete with arachidonic acid, aka inflammation, and that occurs. And the phospholipid bilayer of our cells, so basically our red blood cells, there's the, the outer layer, uh, that bilayer of our cell is what houses that inflammation. And incorporation up to 290% of our key uh, uh, omega 3 such as DHA and EPA, uh, over 62% better than that of an ethyl So we're talking significantly difference in, uh, moving those particular markers, which, which you probably test for in your cardio panels using omega three index tests, You can see those things in your labs. And again, it comes back to what's the most expensive supplement. It's the one that doesn't work and you can tie that almost directly to quality differences.
1: Yeah, I, I'll, echo what you said. So yes, we do test that. Um, so if anyone's listening and wants to have their omega-3 fatty acid index looked at and look at how much um, uh, EPA and DHA are literally in your blood, we can do that. <laughs> and that can help me formulate, not formulate, it can help me come up with what dose of omega-3s you should be taking. Um, I have tested so many people that I am just convinced we all need it. <laughs> um, so I do heavily recommend uh, fish oil in my practice. Um, let's go on to another myth here. We spent a lot of time on that one. And that was wonderful. You gave us very helpful tips. So thank you. So you already started potentially answering (laughs) how you might respond to this next myth, but I'll just ask it and, and see what your response is. So myth number two is that supplements are not FDA regulated. What do you have to say about that?
0: Uh, so I would say that's absolutely false. Uh, when it comes to the supplement industry, we're actually more tightly regulated on certain things than the FDA uh, would regulate, say, a pharmaceutical company. Uh, particularly when it comes to uh, potency, and uh, when you think about a, a drug, for instance, you know, there's actually a deviation that is allowed, an allowable deviation from uh, what they standardize. I think it's five five percent either way or ten percent either way. Uh, when it comes to uh, a nutrient or a supplement, we're not allowed to be deviated below. It has to be right on point. And I'll use probiotics as an example. You have to have uh, what's on the label in the bottle, no deviation below. Um, now you can deviate up uh, in order to ensure that uh, at date of expiration, uh, say if, I, if our product says $20 billion, uh, colony form units. There has to be 20 billion colony units at date of expiration. Now, here is where a lot of companies start playing games with, with the supplement facts box. And so, uh, and this gives our industry a bad name. And so, I want to outline that in retail is retail supplements are really bad about this. They won't put expiration dates. They'll put born on dates. You only have to prove potency on that date, right? So, at date of manufacture, it could be, say, $20 billion, uh, And then it could be sitting on the shelf for 24 months. Well, we know there's a natural die-off associated with that. So when we manufacture a product, we, one, we have an expiration date. And it's generally 12 months on something that's a live organism uh, or an oil. And at that expiration date, there's still $20 billion. So what do we do? We actually manufacture an overage, right? So we ensure that because of maybe human error, we leave it in our car or uh, shipping, you know, for shipping to say Miami uh, when it's hundred degrees all year round or higher in humidity uh, we want to ensure that not only is our product uh, going to survive on the shelf for at least 12 months, but it's also going to survive, you know, some, some, maybe some different climates as well. And at the of expiration, there's still that 20 billion in there. Uh, and so I want to make that very, very clear. Always make sure that when you're taking something, there's an expiration date on the bottle, not a born on date, an expiration date, because that uh, the FDA holds that manufacturer accountable to prove that that product has that potency at minimum at that date on the
1: bottle. That's so good. And I think many people don't realize that. So again, to summarize, for instance, for all the products, but specifically for things like probiotics. Our product is guaranteed to have the potency that the label reads it has at its date of expiration, not just the date of manufacturing or that born on date. And so that's also another reason why supplements are not created equal. Back to myth one. Thanks for joining me for part one of this episode discussing why supplements are not created equal and how they actually are FDA regulated. Join me for part two, where we will dive into three more myths discussing if studies exist, showing the effectiveness and safety of supplements, if you actually need a multivitamin, and if you need a probiotic, or if you can get enough healthy bacteria from fermented foods to nurture your microbiome. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online, where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, not only is the course 50% off, but you also get your first consult with me for free. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I read all of the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, or how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thanks so much for listening and remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.